Happy New Year and hello, Dr. Tanya Israel. It is so wonderful to see you on our very first episode of the year. Hello, Happy New Year. I'm delighted to be back. So excited. And I will say, I think when Katie and I saw each other in real life about a month ago in Indy, your name popped up. We were like, oh, before we go, what should we do for our first episode? And I was like, obviously, we're going to ask Tanya to come on. I mean. Seriously. That is exactly what happened. We were eating breakfast and we were like, oh, when are we going to talk again? I don't know, but it should be with Tanya. Like that's basically. And then you emailed me and you were like, we were having breakfast together yesterday. I was like, I know you were because I was listening to your podcast where you said right now when we're dropping the podcast, if you listen to it first thing Monday morning, which of course I do, we're having breakfast right now. So it just felt like it was all very vibey together. Yes. I love that. I love, love that. It. I just love that you are one of those people, Tanya, that listen to our pod when it comes yeah. out. I mean, do you actually, cause it does go live at 6am Pacific. Do you get up at 6am Pacific or what is your, what is your I, morning? I, I do, but I actually, so one of the, one of the huge changes that's happened in my life lately is I got a hot tub Ooh, what? like two months ago. Yeah. So life-changing. The hot tub um, is a no phone zone mm. and I have been getting up and watching the sunrise from the hot tub. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Just living my best life over here. I have I'm to say, you. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really all a ploy to get y'all to come visit me because oh, you know, this you. is like, I was so just going to say that, like, I feel like you have invited us to Santa Barbara before, but yes, people, if you don't know, Tanya lives in Santa Barbara and you have a hot tub. Okay. Those are two, three, you being the biggest draw hot tub, Santa Barbara. I don't think we need much more Karen. I mean, this is, this is great. So you I'm, don't care about the dolphins and the palm trees and the wine tasting and the mountains. Oh, <laughs> oh. Mm, yeah. We have a lot to offer here. It's pretty oh good. Gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't oh. listen right at 6 a.m. because, you know, sunrise in the hot tub. But <laughs> um, but I usually listen while I'm while I'm having breakfast, like on Monday morning. It's so delightful to get to start the week with you two. Oh, my God. The I just, I'm just letting the words sunrise and the hot tub wash over me just a couple times just to really let it fully land. It's amazing. Amazing. I, mm. same. I actually really feel like sunrise in the hot tub might be a sponsored slot sometime in 2024. <laughs> this might be, this podcast sponsored by sunrise in the hot tub. If you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, listen up for that that sponsored slot. That is going to happen, I think. Perfect. Uh, of course. All right. So one of the many reasons that we wanted to have you back to start the year is to talk about resolutions slash intentions slash kind of how we're our mindset going into 2024. And as I shared before we hit record, I loved your year in review newsletter. So, all right. And I loved the resolutions. Okay. So if you don't mind sharing your three resolutions for 2023 and how yeah. they went. I had three resolutions. The first one, buy a hairdryer. Very important resolution. I think it's made a huge difference. Um, 
if anyone needs to see the comparison shots, you can go to like my blog on tanyaisrael.com. And I did a little, um, little, uh, um, you know, photoed uh, essay to yes. show. Yeah. So you can see the before and after really important to have a hair dryer. Um, so my hair grew out during the pandemic and I just hadn't done anything um, to support it. So support from hair. So I got that done by like January 3rd. So that was easy. Oh. The, the second resolution was listen to a lot of Taylor Swift, which I think puts me in good company with like everybody else in the world. Um, right. So we were all listening to a lot of Taylor Swift, it feels like. Um, I went to the Eras Tour concert. Mm -hmm. I saw the movie. I, oh, my, you know, Apple Music tracks, like, what are your top 100 songs that you listen to over the year? For the second year running, every single one of my top 100 songs I listened to was by Taylor Swift. No. Oh, oh my god. I'm like a gold star Swifty right here. Oh my God. Yeah. That's uncanny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's next yeah. level. I didn't even, I guess I, I assume she has a hundred songs, but wow. That's amazing. Uh, it, yeah. It's uh, apparently I have no imagination because anytime I go to my phone, all I can do is say like play Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. So, so there was a lot of Taylor Swift stuff going on. I made a hundred friendship bracelets, traded them at the concert and at the movie. Oh my God. I had so much fun with Taylor Swift this year. So that was a really easy, easy resolution to fulfill. And then my third resolution was write the new book, <laughs> which it took me a little longer to get that one done, but I did send it off to uh, the publisher on December 19th. So bam. Congratulations. Oh my God. Seriously. <laughs> so huge. One of those is not like the other two and congratulations on all three, but that's incredible. December 19th, Tanya, that's, that's amazing. How does it feel to have that kind of accomplished and how it, does it feel? It, it feels, it feels really good. And I also like then spent the holiday season, like doing some additional edits to it. So literally last night at like 8.15, I sent it back to the publisher with additional edits. Um, so, so really we're in the first 24 hours of me, like, what is it to have finished that? And, but you know what it leads me to want to do, I want to talk to you all about writing, but before we get there, can I hear where you are with your, like, and by the way, I usually don't make resolutions. So I got nothing for 2024. <laughs> I'm like, I did enough in 2023. I'm good. But yes. um, yeah. So how about you two? Like, do you have resolutions, intentions? What are you thinking about for the coming year? Or, or reflecting back on the last year, if you want. Mm. Katie, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I'll go first. Okay. I, I think that for me, only one intention, I like the concept of an intention over a resolution. Um, I have one intention for 2024 so far. I mean, it is only January 5th as we record, so that might change, but like my heart's actually pounding a little fast because I'm nervous to tell you to, because I haven't really talked about this at all. And it's a little vulnerable. I mean, what else is new, I guess, but like here, okay, here it is. So I, this kind of, the story goes back to a couple years back. I struggle with sleep. This is just, I'll try not to make the story super long, but like I struggle with sleep in general. I am like the lightest sleeper on the planet. And so because Tyler breathes air and he 
<laughs> the ten, as we all do, as we all do, not a vampire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <That's> right, right. <laughs> because he breathes air, I sometimes struggle to stay asleep when we're sleeping in the same room. And I really mean room. I don't mean like, oh, if you get two double beds at a hotel. No, 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 room. So I, after our vacation a couple of years back, I started going into our guest bedroom. And then we started, like, I basically would go in there every once in a while. And that's become more and more frequent. And last year, I just, I went down this shame spiral. And I was like, what does this mean for my relationship? And like, what, how can I, you know, and the truth is, is like Tyler and I have never been better. We're really in a great place and we're very happy. And so like, I kept then looking in, at different articles that cite people now sometimes like live apart and it's fine. And like people, you know, sleep in separate bedrooms, like it doesn't matter, but it's not normalized, of course. So I had this moment, this is, this is real fresh. So this is 48 hours old, but like <laughs> I had this moment where I was lying in bed and I was like, oh, I'm like, this year, I'm not going to care. This year, I'm not going to let shame engulf me. Like, I am going to do whatever the hell I want, period. And I am not going to let what other people think. And P.S., no one has said anything negative about this. It's just been my own, myself. What I think, I guess, like, you know, turn toward myself. So it actually really freed me. Like, I was like, oh, this is great. So I come downstairs the following morning and I was like, hey, guess what, Tyler? I'm not feeling any shame whatsoever about us sleeping separately anymore. And he's like, that's so great. He's like, I never have felt any shame. I'm so glad that you feel that way. Like, very supportive. Then cut to last night. Last night, I am trying to get a new hairstylist in Bend. And I have a situation where I went to the fancy salon in Bend and I ended up going, this is a year ago, and the cut was okay, but the woman who was doing my hair ended up latching onto me like a leech. Like oh, it God. was, she's a really nice person. I'm honestly not trying to be negative toward her, but the emotional boundaries were not there. And I left with her begging me to contact her so that we could have coffee for her to talk about her divorce, like all of these things, which I mean, love her, but like. I'm sorry. Like that's, this is just not a fit. And also, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm sorry. I can't be your therapist. So because that is like one of the nicer places in Bend, they have a lot of really great stylists, but I have this, um, I have this fear that if I go to another stylist and I see her, she Ooh. is going to be like, how dare you? What happened? Why? I thought we had a connection. You even got my phone number. You promised me we were going to go to the, so and the thing is, is it's actually happened to me when I was in my 20s um, with a different hairstylist when I lived in San Francisco. So anyway, so I have been racking my brain thinking, I told Tyler last night, I'm like, how am I going to go? I really want to go to this other stylist at the same salon. And he was like, well, that's so interesting because wasn't it you that 24 hours ago said that you're not going to live with shame and not worry about what other people think? And I was like, ooh. And he's like, yeah, this is the universe like giving you an opportunity to exercise that. This is like this is literally verbatim every word he's saying. So of course I was like annoyed and pouty because he's right. And so then I the person I want to go to is recommended by like four of my friends. And there's no way she's gonna have any availability when I need her. But this is my thought, of course, like just self-defeating, self-defeating. I text her today she has availability and I'm going in two weeks. And so I am very happy with the fact that I will be able to see her in two weeks. And so that is very exciting. And my intention for this year, long story longer, is to let go of shame and just embrace what I actually want to do, period. Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh my Hurrah! gosh. 
snaps to that. I'm holding my microphone so I can only snap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. you. Okay. Okay. Karen, what about you? I can't fall. Are you kidding? (laughs) Man, why did I go first? (laughs) When will I learn? Never go after Katie. Um, Okay. So I have a couple right now. The central one is to, is an intention to protect my peace by any means necessary. Like I really, I'm so grateful to be coming into this year, like feeling relatively calm, right? And feeling like I'm able to handle the things that are coming my way, like random things are coming in and I'm like all Zen and Tamara Levitt about it and just observing them and then pushing them away. Like, oh, that's someone else's anxiety. I'm going to notice it and let it drift by like a cloud, right? Like I'm on this like levitating, I'm in this levitating place and I just am like, how do I fiercely protect this? Like regardless of what happens and, you know, having ups and downs, but like really just trying to put bubble wrap around it. So that is one intention. And the second is to give myself permission to be ambitious. Ooh. And not like obnoxious ambitious, but like there are things I would like to do and things I would like to achieve. And I feel like Tanya, you're a really good like role model for this because you've achieved a shit ton, even just since we've met you, right? And it's just like, yes, it it is good to set big goals and to dream big and to go after them and to not have this weird, oh, I can't do, like the lack of confidence and the imposter syndrome and other people's voices in your head telling you you can't do it, all that shit. Like, I just really, I just want to give myself permission this year to like, what does it look like to like actually be ambitious? Oh, that's so great. And I feel like that's an incredible pairing of, Um, you know, the peace and ambition, I actually think you sometimes need to be able to stay grounded and peaceful internally to be able to focus enough to really drive yourself toward big goals. So yeah, that's awesome. Ah, thank you. Very excited. I mean, that is incredible. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired as well. Thanks for sharing. Oh, I love that. And to your point, Katie, about the shame, I literally said to my therapist today that as I've gotten older, the number of people whose opinions I actually care about has just shrinks every year. Right. I feel like as a young person, as a young woman raised in this culture, like everyone's everybody gets to comment on you about everything and you take it all in. And I feel like one benefit of getting older is just like, oh, you have an opinion. How nice for you. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> but you're protecting your peace as you love that for them. That's beautiful. Yes. And just this notion that like your opinion of me is not really my business. I don't have to make it my business. Like that can be yours and you can keep it. Mm-hmm. I love that about the shame snaps to that yeah oh my gosh well this is going to be a great year for you two because you actually have goals I don't know what's going to happen to me but um (laughs) but they sound 
just fabulous. I mean, and also things that both have like an internal component and but have an external component too. Like the shame piece is very internal, but clearly like it affects your interactions with people or even like where you can go get your hair cut. It, it's like one, it's, it holds you back from achieving your goals, you know, of getting a haircut. Yes, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So true. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Tanya, I would love to hear about your writing process, like about how this was for you, because I guess I would love to start at the beginning of 2023 as, you know, you set that resolution to write a book. Had you started already in the beginning of 2023 or can you take us through this process? So I didn't know I was going to write another book about, you know, the, cause the first book I wrote, cause I've written lots and lots of research articles you know that's mostly what I've written okay um but I'm gonna start like even farther back I never enjoyed writing which I don't know how I ended up choosing a career where like I absolutely had to write to be able to keep my job but um but yeah I didn't like writing until probably like 15 years ago when I started doing more like memoir writing which I hadn't Mm -hmm. done before and I like that And so, and I'd never written a book before I wrote Beyond Your Bubble, and that's all about how to have dialogue across political lines. And I was like, I don't know, like, I didn't think I was going to write another book that had to do with political conflict stuff. And then November 30th, 2022, let's go back there. I was on an airplane because I was flying back to California from spending Thanksgiving on the East Coast. And I was writing, I was doing some work. And then I finished the work thing that I was doing. And then I still had two hours on the plane left. And I was like, what am I going to do now? So I just kept writing. And I didn't know what I was writing. But by the time the plane landed, I had a 10 chapter structure for a new book. Oh my gosh. Are Are you serious? serious? (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. Like, and I'm just going to tell you, this has never happened to me before. It was like, I feel like I, I must've bought an extra ticket for my muse on that flight Mm. because it was, yeah, it was, I, I don't know where it came from. I was like, I don't know where this is from, but here this is. And you know, one of the things that I realized is that there was stuff that was probably marinating because I've been, you know, talking to people about this material for the last, uh, for the last three years. And so I had stuff and there were little bits of things that I had written that I had never done anything with and, you know, stuff. So I had, I had things, but then I like took them and I like organized them. And then I was like, oh, here's 10 chapters. Um, and so, so yeah, when I set the resolution, I was like, okay, this is this is the book I need to write. And somehow I wrote it all this year. I didn't even start right away because I was like about to do another TEDx talk. So I was really focused on that until April. And then I was like writing a book proposal. And then I wrote some sample chapters. So all of sample chat, like I, I had any chapters done by like uh, beginning of August. And then I wrote the all the rest of it like since then. So oh my gosh, it was crazy. I was like, at the end of it, I was writing a chapter a week. And I'm like, I don't know how I was doing this. So I honestly feel like wow. 
this was a process that I have never experienced before. And I had not even considered myself a writer until I was in my 40s. And then I'm like, wait, I'm going to talk to you two. You both write for a living. And I'm just very, very curious about like, what's your process of writing? What's your like relationship with it? How did you decide to become writers? Karen, do you want to take it away? Oh God. Oh, sure. I, I suppose I should go first this time again. Kudos to you. Congratulations, Tanya. Oh my God. I just love that. I love the origin story. I love how it all came together. I will also say I have done some very insightful work on planes. I don't know if that there's, you can't, you're, you're just sitting there mm-hmm. and you just, I don't know. I just, yeah, I feel like I've gotten some really good writing and planning and dreaming done on planes. So I love that that's part of the story. Um, I have always loved to write. My history with journalism is that my grandfather on my dad's side used to write essays and get them published. He worked for the post office, but he wrote essays on the side. And I have a cousin on that side of the family who was a copy editor, also a journalist. And my mother's side of the family, they're just are like really gossipy and nosy. And so I feel like that's, those are the two things that make a reporter. (laughs) And, (laughs) and yeah, I just knew I always, I mean, I have known I wanted to be a journalist since I was in high school. Like I worked for the paper. I worked for the radio station. We, I went to a super bougie high school in the suburbs and we had a radio station and majored in it in college. And to me, journalism also blended like wanting to feel this feeling of wanting to make a difference, doing something that made a difference, but then also through being able to write and the radio piece of it, I think like fed this like closet drama nerd. Like I, you know, did plays in high school, but was never very good. And so, but, and there was like a performance aspect of the radio to it. So I feel like it blended a lot of things for me. It just like gelled a lot of things. Um, but my first journalism job was not as a writer. I was a copy editor on the copy desk and I desperately wanted to write. And at that time, I don't know how it is now, but at that time, if you were a copy editor, your chances of ever leaving the copy desk were super slim. Oh yeah. No, no. You're on the copy desk. You work nights. You're kind of weird. Like every, you know, (laughs) copy editors are quirky people. Right. And it was just this like, oh, that's so cute. You want to be a writer. Right. It's like, it was just, it's a little bit like, oh, you're on the speech team and you want to be on the cheerleading squad. How nice for you. Like it was not, (laughs) it's just like very different lanes. And I obviously was very frustrated by that, but I left the paper I was at. I got a reporting job in Chicago. I had been in Milwaukee, got a reporting job in Chicago for a queer newspaper. That is how I came out to everyone in my life. Wow. Oh, where are you going to work? At a gay newspaper. And then there was this moment of like, it like, huh. Um, and I got to write and I was an editor first and then I wrote and I got to write a lot. Like I was the only reporter at the Windy City Times, AKA Windy Shitty Times at the time and was writing like eight to 12 articles a week. Oh my God. Wow. Just cranking them out. And I really, I learned so much and it's really this, I don't know how much y'all can relate to this, but it's this muscle you flex. Like once you 
right? Like once you get it into your muscle memory to do it, it's so much easier. And I feel like the longer you don't do it, the harder it is to restart. And yeah, I think that is my writing journey. And then I have been in and out of journalism. I did finally get to be a full-time reporter again for the Associated Press, which was very much the same like pace of like constantly writing and constantly being on deadline. And uh, I loved it until I didn't. And now actually I'm an editor and I don't get to write that much. And I know I edit other people's work and that is why this is totally a plug. Why I started this project called the Feminist Writer Society to give myself an opportunity to write more and a reason to write more and the time and the space and the community and the accountability of the community. And yeah, I really do miss writing and it's not my full-time job. So how do I do it if it's not my full-time job? That is my journey. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that journey. That's amazing. And I, wow, how productive you have been. That's, oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, do you be okay? So when it's your job, do you do it like between nine and five? Like, is it, you know, like when you're doing it at that level? Yes. I, and I will say when I was a full-time reporter, I also wrote for fun more. Mm. I wrote a lot of fiction um, at the time. Like I look back at the days when I was a reporter and yeah, I had all of these short stories, all of these sh starts of short stories. You know, if I was like bored somewhere, I would just start typing things out on my phone. So I feel like it, those two things fed each other, like the journalism writing and the creative writing fed each other in a way. And again, like now that it, now that I don't write all the time for my job, I found creative writing to be harder to do as well. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Katie? I, I mean, I love hearing, Karen, what your journey has been, because I don't even think I knew all of that. And I have so many thousands of questions. And like, maybe this could even just be another podcast at some point, because I do think that's so fascinating. Um, and also, I very much resonate with your last part about like, if your job isn't writing, then you don't feel as creative to write. Um, that's definitely been my experience as well. So my experience, let's see. So it goes back to, I've always wanted to be a writer. That's the only job I've ever wanted. And so, and the reason for that really goes back to my mom. Like she, when I was really, really young, like two, she would take out a journal. She would like, I would be going to bed and she would sit at the foot of my bed and she would ask me about my day. And then she would write literally every single thing that I said, like, um, and I have to go to the bathroom, hold on. Like, and like, and so I have these journals filled with like my two year old wow. thoughts. And so then as I grew up, I became like a, I mean, I, I was, I was obsessed with journaling. Like that was my entire I just journaled from the time that I could start to write until probably until college. And then I took a pretty significant break and I've gotten back into it now. But um, but yeah, so I always wanted to be a journalist. I went to Michigan State for journalism. I always thought I would be a um, an on, on screen like news anchor like Katie Couric because we share a name. And so I was like, well, obviously I'm going to be like her. <laughs> and so um, so I went to a journal or a um like a television internship. I got a television internship. I think it was my freshman or my sophomore year in college. And I went one day and I quit after the first day <laughs> because what? I was just, I walked in and it was so 
overwhelming and chaotic. And I realized there was no writing as part of it. I was so confused. Mm. And then I was like, oh, wait, what? And so, I mean, I remember that day so vividly. So then I was like, oh, got it. Okay, I want to be a print journalist, like the end. And so then I went into print journalism. And my first job wasn't really a job. It was an internship when I was in college. I received a lot of very... Um, very strong messages that from my professors that said, if you do not get an internship, you will not be able to get a full-time job writing. And so I was like, okay, I was a senior in college. I still had not had an internship. So I ended up getting an internship at Michigan state where um, like basically these teeny tiny newspapers in suburbs of Detroit, they like who did not, they didn't even have, um, or these teeny tiny um, not even newspapers. They were just communities that didn't even have newspapers, but like they would be um, kind of licensed to the the you know um, free press or the Detroit News. Um, they mm. would they would needed reporters, and so we would work for free for these people. And what was amazing was, or for these communities, and what was amazing is I ended up during that internship getting a phone call that was a like undercover phone call that was like basically a deep tip. That was about a political, um, someone who was running for politics in one of these communities. Unfortunately, that community was largely illiterate. And so they didn't know that this person was running. And this person who was running was the, the son of another person who had been in the House of Representatives for years and years and years and was wonderful. And his son, he had retired. No one knew it. His son was running under his name because they had oh the my same God. name, only with a junior afterward. And so he was using all of his signage. And the son was actually like a convicted felon that oh. like had just gotten out of prison. And like, like not to say that that's you shouldn't be able to run, but this guy was like not good news. And so what was amazing about this was I ended up writing the story and I scooped the Detroit Free Press, which was very exciting because I as like a 19 year old. And if no one knows what scooping is in, you know, who's listening, it basically means that you got the story first. And so the Free Press published it the next day, not my story, but their own story about the same thing. It was just very exciting. And so then I was like, OK, well, I really want to do this. And so I started I moved back to my hometown, which is about 45 minutes away from my college. And I worked from home. Well, I didn't work from home. I worked for a small newspaper there as a crime reporter and that kind of thing. And that was really fun. And then from there, I moved to San Francisco and I got a job in public relations and I hated it so much that I cried in the bathroom every single day for a year. And at that time, it was like Craigslist was brand new. And so I went on Craigslist one day at 2 a.m. and I found this news editor job where I was like, this is it was for a travel business travel magazine in San Francisco. It was such a long shot. And I applied and I ended up getting a second round interview. And during the second round interview, the publisher of the magazine came into the room and we hit it off. And it turns out that his family is from northern michigan where my family is from and i swear that is the only reason why he gave me the job because i was woefully underqualified like (laughs) i was so underqualified and i ended up going all over the world with that job i ended up like traveling like i was i was a travel editor and a news editor there and a features writer and then after that um i left everything and i traveled for a year um with tyler through asia and then i came back and decided that i wanted to start freelance writing and that was in 2009 and i've been freelance writing ever since and what's interesting is going back to karen what you were just saying about writing when you're writing basically like when i so the times where i have been 
and I do have journalism clients where I still write for different people, but the majority of my income has come from like marketing gigs or ghostwriting for executives or things that are have mm. to do with strategy and like much more like kind of managerial stuff and that isn't really writing. And so I find that like over the past few years, I've stopped writing a newsletter. I've stopped doing creative mm. writing because I'm not writing normally. Like I'm not, but yeah, it's, I want to get back into it desperately. So, so yes, that is, that is my journey. Oh my goodness. So many <laughs> twists and turns. Right. Yes. <laughs> a great so story. Write that story. <laughs> Seriously. You, you know, it's so interesting what you're both saying about like when you're writing, then you write more. Yes. And so the, the other thing that I should have said about what I did this past year was the LA Writers Lab um, which is um, the teacher there is Al Watt, who's like a genius, like mm -hmm. such an amazing um, teacher, um, started this 100 word a day writing challenge at the beginning of 2023. And mm -hmm. so you would like get an email each day and you'd log in and you'd like enter your thing to show that you did it. And then there are fabulous prizes at the end, you know, oh. and so I did not win any of them um, this year, <laughs> except what I did win was a daily writing practice. Yes. And that was, oh. that's huge. And they're doing it again for 2024. You can still get in. Um, yeah. So, so the... LA writers lab. Okay. LA writers lab. Got it. Yeah. Amazing. I'll, I'll give you a link so you can put it in the show notes if people are interested, because I think, I think to, for the gold tier prizes, you need to do like 320 days out of the year. So, so it's fine. Like whenever this drops, yes. like people can still get in and still do it. And you get a prompt and, and you write and it's, you know, for creative writing, it's not like, you know, cause so the prompts are like from the perspective of your protagonist, your antagonist. So some people are doing memoirs, some are doing novels, some are doing screenplays, like people are doing all kinds of different things, but it was, it, it really has been important to have a hundred words is nothing. It's a paragraph, you know? So mm -hmm. just the practice of doing it every day, uh, that muscle has really, really strengthened. And for most of the year, I wasn't even writing this book. I was like, I was, I was doing other memoir kind of stuff. And, um, but then I went to this writing retreat in May and I met this woman who is American, but she lives in Rome. And we're like, let's have like a weekly writing date. Um, wow. So we're like, let's just get on, you know, WhatsApp video together Fridays at like 8 a.m. in California. And so we did that for a couple of weeks. And then we're like, wait, why don't we do this every weekday? And then we were <sighs> like, wait, why don't we do this seven days a week? And then like the last couple months, I I was I I was just in this kind of zone with writing. Yes. So I was getting up at like five in the morning and I just couldn't, you know, get back to sleep. So I was like, let's start at 7 a.m. So we would get on video at 7 a.m. in California and write together for hours. I oh, mean, fun. and like we're both muted and we're just both writing. Oh my and gosh. it was so for me, like a regular practice and a writing buddy, those are the two best possible things to to move me along in my writing. I mean, that is so powerful, Tanya. Like that's incredible. What has your relationship with the woman in Rome strengthened or like what is that ex what was that experience? Oh my gosh, it's like great. I met her in May. Like I literally like 
never known her before that. And we're super close now. Like, like she and I, she knows more about what goes on in my daily life than most of my friends here do, because we would just, you know, cause I saw her every single day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that is like a magical, it's like witchcraft, like those, like everybody and everyone has that combination of things that gets them in the zone. And I love that you figured out yours. Yeah. Crack the code. Yes. Mm. That's so exciting. It's amazing. Did you write? So when you were writing from at 7am, did you, did you have like a set time for your process or would you just change by the day? We would just start and we, you know, sometimes one of us would have a thing we would need to do, but often it was just like, you know, her dog would need to be walked or I'm like, yeah, I mean, or I'm like, I need to get up out of my chair because I've been sitting here for two and a half hours. <laughs> so, yeah, but we just, we just, I did get to the point toward the end where, cause I was sitting for so, I, I was so sedentary and I was going for such long stretches. I would actually start like reminding myself to get up every hour and just walk around a little bit and stretch. Cause yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Sitting is real. Sitting takes a toll. I know, you know, sitting's like the new smoking, you know, it's going to kill us all. So I was realizing when I was writing, I was just sitting so much. So that, that is one thing. It's like, a, it's a very sedentary process. So yes. got to find some way to get some movement in. So what I did, I also, I got a spinning bike because, you know, mm-hmm. everybody bought exercise equipment at the beginning of the pandemic and then everyone sold it all so i i benefited from that sell off um so i got myself a spinning bike and i have it set up with with my with a tv and a dvd player and my buffy dvds so i watch buffy and i i, I don't allow myself to watch buffy except when i'm spinning so that's oh, helping me to exercise so that's amazing I love that. I know we've thought about renting one, like we've thought about renting a Peloton because you can rent them and it comes with the program just to test it to see if we actually use it. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm with you on that. This is so amazing. I mean, Tanya, one question I have for you is because for people who are listening, thinking like I want to write too, but I'm worried about the, you know, the stereotypical writer's block or the moment that I'm not going to know what to do with a blank page. Like what, what, did you ever have moments like that? And if you did, how did you break through them or, you know, anything like that, like in terms of your process that you'd like to share? Sure. Well, the first thing is like with the, like getting a daily writing prompt in my email, super helpful because then it's like, here's what I'm supposed to write today. Um, but the first book, I I have to say, like, because I never liked writing before, um, you know, and most for literally most of my life, I have not liked writing and have not seen myself as a writer. And when I um, when I did the first book, I actually I had been doing these like couple hour long workshops of like building skills to be able to have dialogue. So I recorded myself delivering a workshop and then I got it digitally transcribed, which was like a brand new thing (laughs) then, which now like, you know, Microsoft Word can do for you. Um, But I took that then and I organized it into chapters so that anytime I would go to write, I never had a blank screen. You know, I always had something in there that I was working with. So that helped me a lot because I 
like talking is typically much easier for me than writing. So also if I was like, I need to, you know, here's something that wasn't in the workshop that I want to put in there. And I would like have a conversation with a friend. I'm like, can I record us talking about this? And so that's, so I would have things to do to get myself started with that. And I don't know how I did it for this book. I, I, I was in some kind of dissociative fugue state. I think I was just, just, (laughs) I don't know how it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like I was channeling something. Yes, exactly. I, I used to love that feeling of stories that felt like they were writing themselves. Yeah. That just like flowed, right. It's the opposite of writer's block. It is just like, I have even too much now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited that you, like you said, you cracked that code and you arrived at this place. That's amazing. So, so you both, you know, sound like you would like to be doing more creative kinds of writing. So what, like, what helps you to get into that zone? I mean, I know you said writing generally does, but if you're, I don't know, like, is there, is there anything you want to do to make that happen? I definitely, this is very embarrassing because I edit, I I blame it on this because I edit and I'm reading other people's work all day long. It's been really hard for me to read fiction. I used to read a ton of books and it's been really hard because at the end of the day, staring at the screen, I don't want to stare at another screen or I don't want to pick up a book because paper books are hard for me because you can't zoom in. You can't make the type bigger. Just going to admit that as an old person. And so I think part of the practice for me is I just need to be reading more Mm. and reading more for enjoyment, reading more for learning about the craft of writing. You know, I'm not trained as a fiction writer. So it's something that I just like do, but don't have never been formally trained to do really. So I think those are the two things I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think for me, it's like making it a priority. I mean, I think it's like what you said, Tanya, is so resonant for me and inspiring to me that you wake up at 7 a.m. and you just do it. I think I think for me, it's like I I used to write a monthly newsletter and I loved everything about it. And I would it's my body would know when it was around like the 17th, 18th of the month, because that's always when it would come out. And I would just sit down and I would pound it out and it would take me like two to three hours. And somehow the planets aligned for years that every single month that is what would happen. And obviously that was only once a month, but I think I was, for lack of a better term, gestating what I was going to write throughout the month, you know, and, and thinking about it. And so I want to do that again, but because there has been such a huge gap, I don't think I've written my newsletter in more than a, I mean, a year and a half actually is how long it's been. And, you know, I think I just, I'm just like, ah, like I'm just nervous. I think I have like my own nerves about it. And so I love the idea of having a writing buddy that I just sit with and it's not even like, I think what would be helpful to me is it's not even that I have to write. It's just that like, maybe I'll just sit for like an hour and see what comes up and like, and then sit for an hour the next day. But I think 
for me to be able to make this sustainable, I think I would have to do it once a week and say like, this is the day of the week, or this is the place that I go or something that is really easy to accomplish versus like getting upset at myself for not doing it right. And then maybe I could increase the frequency, but, um, but yeah, trying to carve that out, even if it's 15 minutes, honestly, like maybe I could just do it then. Like, I think an hour sometimes is hard to, to say that I can definitely do even once a week. Yeah. I mean, I think 10 minutes a day is way better than an hour a week in terms yeah. of the commitment. Like, yeah. yeah, somehow easier to do it in bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember when I started out as a professor and I was, you know, and I didn't like writing and I was like, but I got to do this. So I read a lot about writing. <laughs> yes. And I remember one of the things that I read, because there's, there's research about writing. And one of the things that they found was that, you know, there are writers who are like, well, I, I, I'm just going to wait until the mood hits and I move to write. That's the best way for me to write. And so they would do this. They, you know, they did a study. It's like, okay, y'all just write when you feel like writing. And this other group, you know, like we're going to randomly assign you, of course. And, you know, and then this other group, you're going to write every single day. Um, and let's see, you know, like how much everybody writes. And the people who wrote every day wrote more, you know, they wrote when they weren't moved to write, they wrote like, they just, so a writing practice, it turns out, just helps you to be more productive and helps you to stay with that. So um, I'm, I'm a little evangelical about it right now because I found <laughs> it so helpful to me this past year. But I also love, uh, Karen, what you were saying about what you're consuming is also really important because I was thinking about like when I was taking acting classes and all I was reading were plays, like I have an entire shelf, just plays. And then like, I, you know, I love to write memoir. So I have tons of memoir. And when I'm writing memoir, I'm just reading memoir. And all I've been doing lately is like, cause this, this new book, it's sort of more, um, it's a little on the self-helpy side, you know? So, mm. um, what is it? Prescriptive nonfiction, they call it. And mm. so I've been just listening to all this self-help stuff and, yes. and actually it's been stuff that's been useful to inform the book, but also I've just been interested in how do people actually lay this stuff out? And so, yeah. And, and I also find it hard to read with my eyeballs, after I've been working at a screen all day. So I, I listen to books a lot and I especially love it when it's read by the author. That's just my favorite thing. Yes. Oh, I wish I'm going to have to try audiobooks again. I've tried it a couple times and if, if I don't like the person's voice, it's just such a barrier for me. I, yeah, I'm sure y'all are nodding. You can relate. And yeah, I, I love the, the writing practice. Oh, also resonates so much with me because I, you know, it's like we talked about when you write every day, you just do it. And also this idea that you said just hating, Katie, and this idea that like this book was inside you, Tanya, and it just needed the right moment. It needed this, whatever that was to just present itself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also something to that, like, we need processing time. We need like meriting time. I think that's the way Erica Badu is a singer. She's one of my favorite singers, Neo Soul. And she talks about there being no such thing as writer's block. It is you are processing what has happened. Mm. You are making sense of it. You are making meaning of it and that it will emerge the way it's supposed to emerge. And 
I feel like there's a way to blend those things, to have a writing practice so that you're already doing it. It's part of your muscle memory, but also letting things surface as they're meant to surface when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having a combination of those things is really good. It, it just, there are two things that it reminds me of. One is that there was some point, I'm going to say like October, like most of the way through the year and a good way into the book where I thought, you know what? I bet it would have been easier to not write the book than to write the book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that hadn't occurred to me yet was just really bizarre. So yeah, sometimes I think we do have, like, I had something inside me that I just, I got to write this thing. And the other thing that it made me think of, like you're talking about um, the, the gestation time. So it was really important to also have time, like, Okay, now we're back to the hot tub. Um, (laughs) Because that hot tub time in the morning before I started writing, it's just like, I've got, you know, I'm not listening to anything. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not looking at anything except the sunrise. And it just, there's, it's interesting, the stuff that came up then that I was like, oh, this is what I need to do with this part of the book. And there was just things that had I been at my computer, like grinding it out, wouldn't have come to me. But at the same time, there were times when I just needed to write my way through stuff, just like keep writing. And then it'll like, I'm going to get rid of half of the stuff that I wrote, but I need to go ahead and like, keep moving through it. I love that you're circling back to the hot tub, Tanya. I really do. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Also, it's very like relatable, honestly, even if people don't have hot tubs, like they can do like a meditation where they just close their eyes and they sit wherever they're sitting right now, or unless you're driving, you know, like, it's just like, it's just, it's very relatable to have like a mind clearing practice. It sounds like you have also. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like having some time away from our phones is really helpful because it's, um, I feel like there's so many things we do on our phones that once you start, like, you're like, oh, I'm going to see what the weather is. And then 45 minutes later, you know, you're like, what was that? What did I go to look at on my phone? Yeah. So, so I think just finding ways of calming the mind and letting it settle a little is really important. Yes. And not filling in the gaps with noise. Like often that's, I feel like what looking at my phone is, is just, I am just constantly trying to fill the silence with something. And uh, I, this time with you always goes by so fast. And I'm looking at the clock like, no, what do you know? How is it possible that we've been talking for an hour? How is that possible, Tanya? It would be so wonderful if you wanted to come back when your book is published and you want to talk about it and to, you know, tell everybody about it. I will be very excited to do that. Thank you. I don't have a title yet. Like once I have a title, I'll be actually making more of an announcement about it. So yeah. And you know, I just love talking with you too, whenever I have the opportunity. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course. And one, I will put in one plug, perhaps a book club. Maybe we can get our listeners to read the, read your new book with us. That would be so much fun. That would be I so know. amazing. And just putting it out there. them through it. <gasps> oh my gosh. 
Tanya, this could be amazing. Even if it's not like a full hour interview, but we could like even do it in chunks of like 15 minutes or whatever you wanted, whatever time you would give us, that would be so exciting. Whatever the topic oh. is, which we actually don't even know, listeners, Karen and I have no idea. It, that's very exciting, actually, because like it's going to be a, a reveal to us as well. Yay! Okay, <laughs> this sounds like so much fun. All right, everybody, stay on the edge of your seats, and uh, yeah, announcement coming soon. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, Tanya. Happy New Year, and we will see everybody next week. 